started out the service, and Shagun started out with exceedingly, abundantly, and above all we could ask or think. And then we created space, and we said, God, you want to do something really big today, and we want to, we want to make room for that to happen, and we want to have the heart and the courage for that to happen. And then we just prayed for salvation, healing, deliverance. And Mandy ended that prayer with saying, we trust you, God. And that's really the whole basis of everything. And I, I want to I go through something today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do as much of it as I can. But I, I really need you to, to grab hold of the thought today. So if you will open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that's where we're going to start. And I'm actually going to read its 16 verses. I'm going to read that to start the service off. But today I want to talk about a kingdom belief system, and I want to talk about a kingdom mindset. And Jesus paid a heavy price for us to be saved. He paid a heavy price for us to be healed and delivered, but he also paid a heavy price so that we could have the mind of Christ. Like the, the price he paid at Calvary on the cross to atone for our sins and to, to bring justice for the sin of mankind. The price he paid there was for our salvation and our eternal life. And how many love the thought that you can have eternal life through Jesus? That's a great plan, that, that he took our punishment. And how many love the thought that by his stripes we were healed? He took our pain and suffering on the cross so that we could receive healing. I love that. And then he also did it so we could be delivered and set free from every weight and everything that is oppressive in our life. How many of you ever felt oppression before? He gave a heavy price to relieve your oppression, to remove it from you. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Give me your oppression. I'll take it on me. He paid a heavy price for those things. But he also paid that same price so that your mind could line up with the mind of God. So that you could think with the thoughts that God has. See, for all of history, once sin entered into the world, man's view of God was who can understand him. That was man's view of God. They would often say, he's God, he does whatever he wants, and we don't understand him. But in the New Testament, something shifted. And I want you to follow with me, all right? So this is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says, And brethren, when I come to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom from man, but I came declaring to you the testimony of God. Listen, this is Paul. For I determined not to know anything among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Come on. He said, I was with you in weakness, and I was with you in fear and trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. How many thinks that that's the way the gospel should be preached? Not these flowery, fluffy, pretty messages, but the demonstration and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Mandy was telling me she listened to a, a podcast uh, that's, I love it. And it was with Kanye West and Joe Rogan. And, and Kanye is a performer. He's an entertainer. And he said when he goes to church, he doesn't, he doesn't want to go to a church where the pastor is all perfect and the message is crafted really well. He says, I'm in the entertainment business. That does nothing for me. He says, I go to a church where they go line by line through the Bible because I just need the word of God. I don't need the fluff. And I was like, that's so true. 
Like we, we think we can craft these beautiful messages and what we're missing is what Paul said here. I'm not coming to you with persuasive words, with human wisdom, with excellency of speech. I'm coming to you with a demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you that is what we long for here and that is, that is what we strive for. I don't care if anyone ever thinks that we have the, the best teachers in the world and preachers in the world, but I want Fire Life to be known that whoever steps on this pulpit is giving a demonstration and releasing the power and the presence of God and the fire of the Holy Spirit in their speech because that's all that really changes people's lives. I could spend hours and hours crafting messages and putting nice little stories in there to make it cute and, and be a great sermon uh, preacher. That's not, my, that's not my style. That's not the style of anyone that teaches or preaches here. We get in a prayer closet with God. And we say, God, what can I say? What do you want me to say that will affect people's lives? And if the power of God's not on it, then, then what are we doing? And this is what Paul's saying to them. This is what I came to you. And he says, however, I do speak wisdom to those who are mature. He's like, we don't throw wisdom out. We're pursuing wisdom, but we do it when people are mature. He says, not the wisdom of this age. Hmm. Yeah, think about the times that he lived in. This is the times where the great scholars and orators would stand at the street gates and they would stand on the temple steps and at the, ju the judicial steps and they would, they would sit and talk all day long about ideas of how, how wise they are. The, think of the Socrates and the Plato and the, the great philosophers. They would stand all day and hold court with people that would come and go and they would just talk out loud their ideas and they would think that it's so wise and they're so enlightened. He's saying, we don't do this. Because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Are y'all okay? All right, I'm just starting out. I'm getting going. He says, we speak... <laughs> he says, we don't speak the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, because they are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they have known, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. <laughs> Woo, but as it is written, eye has not seen, y'all know this, right? Nor has ear heard, and it has not entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who what? Love him. But then he says this. So see, there's the mystery. Eye hasn't seen. Ear hasn't heard. It's a mystery what God has for us. We know it's great, but we don't know what it is. That's the mystery. And then he tells us how the mystery is solved. He said, but God has revealed them to us through his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Amen. How do we get the mysteries of God? It's through the Holy Spirit. He says, for the Spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? That's why we say, we shouldn't try to judge the, the intentions of other people because we really don't know their intentions. We barely know our own intentions. How many times have you ever done something and you're like, man, I don't even know why I did that. Then how can I think that I can judge another woman or another man's intentions if I don't even know my own? Whoa, but the spirit knows, come on. Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of this world. What have we received? We've received the spirit from God, not of this world. Amen? That we might know the things which have been freely given to us. Why do we have the spirit of God? So that we can know the things that were a mystery before that are no longer a mystery. 
so that we can have access to the mysteries of God and it happens through the Spirit of God. Amen? So we can know what is freely ours. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. That's why when we speak uh, to the world's wisdom, the things of God, they think it's foolish. They cannot understand why believers believe what they believe. They cannot understand why the, uh, <laughs> why the dogma runs deep in some people, as they, they try to say about the, the latest Supreme Court nominee, like, oh, the dogma is, is strong in this one. Like, no, she actually believes what she says she believes. Like, the world doesn't understand that when a, a Christian regardless of which faith it is in Christianity, that when a Christian really believes something, that it affects their life. See, the world's okay with us saying we believe something as long as it doesn't affect the way we live our life. Are you okay? The world's okay with us throwing out these platitudes and things that we say we believe this, we say we believe that, but the moment we act out our beliefs, then it becomes a problem. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are only spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. And then here's the final verse. For who has known the mind of God? He's quoting an Old Testament prophet. It says, who can know the mind of God that he may instruct him? And then he finishes with the solution. Everyone say it with me. But we have the mind of Christ. Let's say that one more time. But we have the mind of Christ. And today I want to talk about mindsets, and I want to talk about ideology, and I want to talk about belief systems. We live in a, a world right now where it's the, the, how do I say it? We live in a world where we've removed the opportunity for people to discuss ideas with one another. We've isolated ourselves into separate sides on any issue, and we don't ever talk to someone on the other side of the issue because we don't want to be offended or we don't want to offend someone. And so what happens is we don't ever really have to suss out. We don't ever have to really find out if what we believe is true or not because it stays in our head and we never have to actually put it into practice or have it challenged. <coughs> y'all okay? Are y'all all right? I just, um, stop here. Is everyone present? All present and accounted for. <laughs> yeah. We often say we believe this thing. I, I believe this. And, I, and then we say, I believe this. And we say, I believe this. But we're very seldom allowed to follow those thinkings and those thoughts and those ideas and those beliefs to find out if they actually work together. Let me give you an example, a personal example. I grew up thinking, and this is... I'm not telling you how to think. I'm just telling you a process that I've gone through for me, okay? I grew up, and I, in high school, I did the debate team. I did all that kind of stuff like that, and I was the Christian guy. I would always debate the abortion, and I would debate the drugs, and I would debate, you know, and abortion was one of the big things that I wanted, wanted to debate. But what happened when they brought up capital punishment, and I'm saying I'm pro-life, but I'm for killing someone who killed someone else, and as a young person, I didn't care that those two things didn't go very well together. How can I say I'm pro-life here, yet be okay with 
not pro-life over here, or I'm okay with, because one of the other things we would have to argue is, is, do you believe that it's okay when a person gets older, if they can, euthanasia, they can take their own life? And I never, when I was younger, I didn't understand that if I say I'm pro-life, it has to affect all of those things. Personal story. I'm not telling you that you can't believe in capital punishment. I'm saying for me, I'm either pro-life or I'm not pro-life. And until you argue those things out, until you discuss them, and until they are put into practice, then you don't really know what you believe. And what happens is we have this belief system that's very fragile. Because I can say, I believe with all my heart, abortion's my thing, I'm off, no, no abortion, no abortion. And I, I want to spend all my effort on that side of it. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm having a hard time pushing this out today. Yet over here, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk, I don't, I don't know what I think about that. Because I don't have to think it through. And the goal is to be pro-life. Not anti-abortion. Because then I can flip it. Because I had friends in school that were anti-capital punishment, but they were okay with abortion. And I'm like, wait a second. How can you be no... No capital punishment, but you're okay with abortion. Like those things don't, and both of us had never allowed our ideas to actually fully manifest into a truth. And this is where we're at right now in our world. I, I dare say that we as Christians really even know what we believe. We say we believe the Bible, but do we know what's in the Bible? We say we believe the, the red letters, the teachings of Jesus, but do we really know all the things that Jesus taught? And not just how he taught them or what he said, but how he applied what he taught, because that really does matter. And so we're, we, never, we never even allow people to, to think things out. And, you know, this came up, Mandy and I were talking about this last night. She's like, this, this Kanye podcast is all over the place. I'm like, yes. He's all over the place because he's been born again. And for the first time probably in his life, he's thinking things out loud that he's thought his whole life and he's trying to figure out, do I believe this or not? God wrecks me, dude. That's what salvation looks like. When someone really gets saved, it gets really messy for their life. Oh, it's supposed to be beautiful and clean. No, birth is messy. It's messy. It's so beautiful, but it's messy. And all I could think is good for him for being brave and even saying things out loud that later he's going to go back and say, man, I don't really believe that anymore because he matured in his faith or whatever it is. I, don't, I love the thought that salvation looks like that for people. My whole life I believed all these things and now all of a sudden I've been, my eyes have been enlightened and I see the world differently and now I'm talking out loud things that I believe in. I'm like, whoa, I, none of it adds up yet. And he's even saying, I know I'm all over the place. I'm like, good for you. Keep doing it. Keep being all over the place till you figure out what you really believe. And we have taken that out of the church. We've taken that out of the world. And did you know the Bible says in Isaiah 1 verse 18, God says this, come let us reason together. Come let us have an argument, a discussion, a debate. Let's, let's bounce ideas off of each other until you see which ones are superior and which ones are inferior. And then put them into practice to see which ones work and which ones don't even work and fall apart. 
See, there are a lot of great ideas out there that if you apply them incorrectly, they fall apart. And Jesus came to integrate our belief system so that when we say we believe this, we believe this, we believe this, they are cohesive and that they don't contradict one another. I told you today is going to be breakthrough, and I, I, I really mean this. There is going to be a truth, a revelation in this that's going to break free all of us. God is going to take our belief systems, and he's going to knit them together, and he's going to solidify them upon the foundation of his truth, not our truth. There's not our truth. It's his truth. And if I say I believe something here, if I believe, oh, I believe God can heal um, cancer, then I have to believe God can also easily heal a headache. And I don't, you know, I'm just using it. And if I believe God can heal a headache, but cancer's too big, that doesn't add up. Oh, I believe God can save someone who was raised in church and went away from the Lord. I believe God can bring them back, but God can't save someone who was, who was a bride of Satan or who was transgendered. Like, what do we do now? They're already transgendered. How, how do we fix that? Like, I'm telling you, the church has to wake up and figure out what we know about God because the world is going to ask us some really hard questions in the next few years that if we don't know, we're going to miss our moment. I'm not saying the church is going to miss its moment, but we're going to miss our opportunity to be part of that movement. And I can't just look at someone who, ah, I'm sorry who blew up their life with a decision that's permanent and say, well, sorry, there's no salvation for you because you're just too messed up. Or the only way you can get saved is this is how you got to do it. I'm sorry, that doesn't work for Jesus. He does not put stipulations on who can and who can't be saved and, and who's too far gone and who's not. He can't, he's not like that. We have to know the truth. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. What I believe people like Kanye are feeling and are experiencing right now in their life is they're free. They're free from the system. They're free from the, the world system that tried to trap them into poverty or, or put them in a category. And they've been broken free from the shackles and the chains of the enemy for the first time in their life. And they're like, I'm free to figure out what I really know. And it feels wonderful. But what the church does is someone pops up and says something. Even if you've been in church for a long time, we do this. You should know better by now. If we don't discuss these things and figure out what we believe and work out our salvation with fear and trembling, then there won't be salvation in the church. Are you all okay? We have to be allowed to reason together and discover the truth of God through the Holy Spirit. Not our wisdom, come on. Not our theologies. Not our political beliefs. God's not a D or an R. He's not an L like some of us. <laughs> He's just not. He doesn't bow to the systems of this world. And we try to cram him in boxes and he, first of all, he doesn't fit in any box we could build. Second of all, even if we put him in a box, we can find him there. <sighs> Sorry. 
William Young said that a few years ago. We believe the lie that, that God can't be found in a box. We say we believe this, we believe this, we believe this, and we're not allowed to reason them together, but then we're also not required to, to think them through. There's no requirement on us to really find out if we believe it or not. No one calls us out when we say something stupid. No one says, have you really thought that through? Where's that in the word of God? Not a verse. Don't pull a verse out and quote me a verse. Where is that principle in the word of God? Like we're not required, we don't require this of each other. In your home, you and your spouse should require that if you say something stupid to your spouse, they should say, hey, have you thought that through? That doesn't make sense with this other thing you say you believe. That doesn't line up with the word of God. Are y'all okay? James talks about people like that. He says, you're a double-minded man. You're unstable in everything you do because you've got, you've got competing belief systems. Are y'all okay? This process allows us to weigh our beliefs on his scales, not ours. And then we get to decide what's valuable and what's not, or if it's foolish or worthless. And if it is, we can throw it aside. See, I believe that there is a place where we can have the mind of Christ and all our simple thoughts can be integrated and brought into a cohesive place of wisdom. All right, I'm gonna say that again because I believe that God can take all of our simple, stupid thoughts and convert them into wisdom. I really do. Do you believe that? There is a place where we can learn to take captive every thought and make it obedient to the wisdom of Christ. Did you know that? We all have the ability to take captive every thought, every belief, and make it conform to Christ, not to the world system, not to our system, not to a religious belief system, political belief system, social media belief system, wisdom of the world, none of that to the wisdom of Christ. We have that opportunity. See, this is the wisdom that David and Solomon talked about that wowed the queen of Sheba. A wisdom that was put on display. We've talked about this before, but the, the story goes that when she came and she saw the way in which Solomon climbed the hill of the Lord or the stairway into the mind of God, that she was in awe of his wisdom. She was in awe of the way the house was decorated. She was in awe of the way the lawn was manicured. She was in awe of the way the place settings were set on the table because the wisdom of God was in all of it. Solomon came into a place where he had the wisdom of God and it manifested into his life. I wish he would have carried that through in every way. That's a story for another time, another day. But it was a wisdom that astounded the richest, wisest people of the world. This is the wisdom that Jesus spoke about that caused everyone to be in awe of Jesus. And they didn't go away saying, man, he sure was good at crafting messages. Man, he was sure good at preaching. They said, this man teaches as one with authority. They're like, this is different from all the other teachers that we hear. 
Oh, they're good. They're great. They craft their messages. They're beautiful. They add the stories in at the right time and the illustrations, and they bring it home with a thoughtful hand gesture that just drives it home and makes us believe. Like, they're great at that, but like, Jesus wasn't like that. They said he teaches as one who has authority, who commands the seas and the waves to obey him. Are y'all still with me? Y'all? Okay. This is the wisdom. <laughs> That Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. He said that, that the foolish of the world would confound, confound the wise. Come on. And the humble things would humble the lofty. This is what happens when we repent of strongholds and arguments and high thoughts and lofty things and humble ourselves. We walk into the wisdom of God. This happens when we humble ourselves and travel the straight and narrow path that God has laid for us. It leads to limitless possibilities. Yes, salvation's hard. You're like, oh, it's free. It's free and easy. It is free and easy. But it's a narrow gate into that place. And it's a death that takes place. We have to die with Christ to enter into this kingdom. How many knows dying to ourselves doesn't feel good? And, and, and we never stop having to kill ourselves. What did Paul, Paul, the greatest apostle, he's like, I die daily. Every day I get up and I kill my old man and make sure he's dead and buried. Every single day I die to my old ways of thinking. And that's what we're being called to as a church, amen? But if we can die, and if we can die and go down this pathway into the kingdom, it will lead to limitless possibilities. See, the unintegrated or the non-cohesive mind that's under the influence of the world, the patterns of this world, it's a mindset of poverty and it's a mindset of dishonor. This inferior mindset comes from these three, these three things we believe. We believe we're powerless, we believe that we're victims, and we believe we're on our own. This mindset that is at war with the mindset of God, the wisdom of God, this world system says that we're powerless, that we're victims, and we're on our own. And when we, when we believe any one of those three lies, then we invite a poverty mindset or an inferior mindset to rule our lives. And it weaves itself in and it begins to disintegrate the cohesion of our belief system. We believe a lie and it creeps its way in and it tries to draw a wedge between things that are be being brought into integration and cohesion. And it tries to bring a wedge between them just to separate until we fall apart on all of our beliefs. Can I finish? I probably have about five more minutes, so make it 10. Ha <laughs> ha, kidding. The enemy of our soul has unleashed hell against us. Do you, you realize that? That the devil is exceedingly wicked and he hates us. This is true. Young people, the devil's real and he hates you. Every evil thing that ever has happened to you in your life is not your parents' fault or the world's fault. Or the, this, it's the devil who hates you. He is involved in, your, in planning destruction for you. All of us. He has if God has plans to prosper and not to harm us, the devil has plans to destroy us and to harm us every way he can. 
because when he harms us, he's harming him. And he takes out, he takes out his rage on God by harming us. And he does it especially against the poor, the innocent. And without intervention, mankind would have been locked in this state of powerlessness, victimhood, and on our own. Without a rescuer, we would have remained powerless, victims, and on our own. And without justice or someone taking ownership for the mess that was created, we would have stayed in that state of victimhood. But Jesus Christ, come on, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world has overcome all of those things. He overcame our victim mentality. He overcame our powerlessness and he overcame the loneliness that mankind had when we broke agreement and covenant with God in the garden. Jesus came and fixed it all at the cross. He washed away our sin and our iniquity. And then he kept going. He didn't stop. He showed us how to be powerful. And he showed us how to clean up our mess and live righteously. And then he went into hell and he took back the keys that Satan had taken from us. And he took back the keys. He literally walked into the gates of hell and kicked them down and took the keys back from Satan and brought them back as our victory. <sighs> it's just you lost something and I came to give it back to you. And he says, all authority is now mine. All power is mine. You're not a victim. Oh, man. You are not powerless and you're not alone. <laughs> That's how I feel inside, but I'm crying. <laughs> why, do I, why is crying my default? <laughs> In one final act of glorious justice, though, he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven. And he said, because I live, now you can live. Because I overcame, now you can overcome. So you're no longer an orphan, but you're a son and a daughter. You're no longer distant from the Father. You're no longer broken from covenant in the garden. I've restored that place. You're no longer those who have been overcome. Listen to me. You are no longer those who have been overcome. You are the overcomer. You are no longer the one that's been bulldozed. You feel like you're trapped in life. I understand that. Look, I know many of you in this room, many of you watching on Facebook, you've had a tough life, tougher life than most of us. And you may feel trapped, but I want you to know that Jesus Christ can get you out of the place where you feel trapped and alone and powerless. It's the gospel of Jesus. And it works for every background. It works for every income level. It works for every hardship that you've suffered. It works for every injustice that you've ever been through. It works for everyone. And if it didn't work for everyone, then it wouldn't be the truth, but it is the truth. And it works for every single issue we have in life. That's the truth. And that's the belief system we have to build our lives upon. And he gave us the authority. In Romans 8, he says, if we're, if we're in Christ, then we're also joint heirs and co-heirs with Christ. So his victory became our victory. 
And now we don't have to walk around with the mindset that says, yes, I'm free, but I'm still bound. (sighs) Yeah, I'm powerful, but not in this area. Yeah, Jesus walks with me, but man, I'm so lonely here. Those systems don't work anymore because Jesus came to give us his mind so that we can walk into his mindset. Jesus' act of justice brought vengeance upon the enemy. He redeemed us from this lifestyle of being a victim, powerlessness alone. And his justice transformed us. Do you understand that? It was love on the cross, but it was justice because our sin needed to be dealt with. The mess needed to be cleaned up. Even the mess we're probably creating right now. (laughs) He cleaned it up on the cross. He shed his blood. He paid a heavy, heavy, heavy price to help us learn how to clean our messes up. We didn't know how to before. I've used this example before, but we were taking our rags of righteousness and trying to clean up the mess. And all we were doing was making the mess worse. But he gave us his righteousness. It was pure and holy. And when we apply that righteous, that rag of his righteousness to our mess, it cleans it up. Therefore, because we have been transformed by his justice, we have the mind of Christ. This mindset is a wealthy mindset. It's a mindset of honor. I don't mean money. I mean a wealthy mindset. I mean a mindset that's a better way of thinking. I'm closing it out. The better way of thinking unlocks heaven on earth. It unlocks the, in, the unlimited possibilities. It says that there isn't anything that's impossible with God. Before, my mind could have found something that was too hard for him. But when I come under the agreement of the cross, I am not allowed to say something's too hard for God. I'm not allowed to say that. I'm not allowed to believe it. I'm not allowed to feel it because it is not true. I don't know where you're at right now, but I sense God healing so many people's hearts right now in this moment. You're not, you're not too far and it's not too difficult for him. You are valuable. You are loved. You're loved as much now as you ever have been. It will not change. Come on. And when we unlock this mind of Christ, instead of finding a reason why not, we search for the character and the nature of God, and we search to find reasons why it is possible. The old mindset would be like, man, I really would love for this thing to happen. And then we think of 20 things that says why it can't happen why it won't happen, why it's never happened, why we always get disappointed. But the mind of Christ says, this thing does look difficult. It really is a mountain. But man, there's another mountain that I know. And his mountain is above every other mountain. Where do I run for help? I run to the mountain of the Lord. This is where my help comes from. The maker of heaven and earth He doesn't slumber or sleep. Come on. So when before I looked for why it can't happen, now I have to search his nature and his character and my history with him and find out why it can happen and why he will do it. Even if I have to borrow your testimony to say, God, you did it for Chris. You love me as much as you love Chris, so do it for me. 
Instead of looking for why not, find the reasons why he can, why he will, why he wants to. Instead of looking for proof that we're powerless or we're a victim, we begin to trace the ancient paths into the mind of God that says we're powerful. We are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And on this path, we find thoughts and words that transform our chaos back into order. Come on. Instead of thoughts that produce death and destruction. And it's this path into the mind of God that causes us to fully come alive. How am I going to be fully alive? I mean, in every, I don't want death in any area of my life. Amen? So how? It goes all the way back to the very, very beginning. Man's first interaction with the liar. And what did Satan say? Did God really say? Do you really believe him? Do you really trust him? This is, the, this is all of it. It started right here. The liar came in and sowed deception to break apart the belief that God was truthful, that he was not withholding from them, that he was good, and he lied and said, did God really say? So the question today for us to get back to that place of authority and power and cohesion with the mind of God is, will you trust him? Mandy said it at the end of her prayer. Will you trust God? Do you trust him? Because if I trust him, then I can go through every season of life knowing that there is a solution. And even if it's bad, he walks with me. What's the Bible say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. When I need comfort, he comforts me. When I need to eat, he prepares a table in front of my enemy. That's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the, everyone say, renewing of your mind. And then it finishes. It says, then you will be able to test and prove. Let me say it like this. Then you will be able to put on display in your life what God's will is. Oh, I want you to stand. God, we believe this. Hmm. Now, we got to close this out strong, all right? The Lord's been doing something all through here. But I, I'm going to invite you to make an altar right, right where you are and, and resolve these things with God. Invite him in as Emmanuel, God, with us. Invite him into your, your place of pain, in, in your place of mistake, in your place of, of shame. I don't care what it is. Invite him in. If you need to kneel at your chair right now, we're just going to put worship music on. Service is over. I want you to pray where you are. The buckets are here if you have your offering. But I want you to have a time with God. Like, it's great to hear the word. It's great to feel his presence and worship. But the altar time is the most important time. It's where we resolve things with God before we move forward. So will you resolve these things with God today? And God, I just want to pray over you as we get started. Father, I ask that your presence would continue to flow in this room, that your healing power and your authority and your absolute love for us would continue to compel us into trust.